Thank you, Anil, for those prayers. Thank you, Pastor Wei. Thank you, Jenny, for joining us in prayers. We are, you know, just, just standing here, being able to worship so freely without fear of someone budging through the doors, you know. Um, I'm thankful, and we shall not take this for granted. We will stand with our brothers and sisters all over the world. They don't have such freedom, but we can still stand in solidarity with them through our prayers. So good morning, Community Church. How are you today? Good. Tired? Who's tired? You're tired. Wow. You know, I wish I could turn into a butterfly and, 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 and preach while being a butterfly. But, um, yeah. Well, anyway, it's really great to be here with you all and so good to be here with you online people too. Uh, blessings to all of you. Are we all ready for the Word of God this morning? Yeah, yeah. yeah I love the yeah. <laughs> Let us pray. Jesus, what a privilege and an honor to be here this morning together and to, together as a body in your presence to worship you, to sing praises unto you, to do fellowship with one another, to serve one another, to love one another is made possible, all of this, because of you, because of who you are. And Lord, thank you for your word. Your word keeps us on the path that, is, that leads to life. But Lord, we come humbly before you this morning, ready to receive, Lord. We are so thankful. I am so thankful that you are God and we are not. Your wisdom, your wisdom surpasses everything that we know, that we claim to know. So we come humbly before you, Lord, and ask you to speak into each of our hearts. Amen. All right. Who knows what sermon series we are on? Okay, you can shout it out. Kingdom now. Okay. See, Pastor Wade, they've been paying attention. <laughs> so we are in the Kingdom Now series, looking at the famous sermon Jesus preached, the Sermon on the Mount. We are eight sermons into the series now. And last week, Pastor Wade preached a great sermon on judging or not judging. Um, it's online. Um, I would go listen to him. Um, if, if you haven't, um, please do that. It's from Matthew chapter 7, verses 1 to 6. And today, we're going to look at how Jesus begins to pivot his sermon into a time of response. You know, those of you who have been with us for a while, you know that uh, sometimes after the sermon, we invite you into a time of response or a time of reflection and or decision and commitment. And so, um, Jesus does the same. He, in his Sermon on the Mount, is coming to a time where he will invite us to a time of response. But before that, let's do a quick recap. Now, after teaching on many topics, such as, okay, let me get my slides ready. 
Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And then, not only shall you not murder, you must also not be angry. Not only shall you not commit adultery, but you must not even look lustfully at another person. Love your enemies. Forgive people who have wronged you. And do not love money. Do not worry. Do not judge. And then after that, Jesus brings together his teachings and summarizes um, his teachings in one verse. And this is the well-known verse. We call it the golden rule. So in everything, do to others what you would have them do to you. For this sums up the law and the prophets. Then we come to our passage today, where Jesus issues a call to respond. Enter by the narrow gate, he says. For the gate is wide and the way is easy that leads to destruction. And those who enter by it are many. For the gate is narrow and the way is hard that leads to life. And those who find it are few. Beware of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly are ravenous wolves. You will recognize them by their fruits. Are grapes gathered from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? So every healthy tree bears good fruit, but the diseased tree bears bad fruit. A healthy tree cannot bear bad fruit, nor can a diseased tree bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. First, you will recognize them by their fruits. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. On that day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and cast out demons? in your name and do mighty works in your name and then will I declare to them I never knew you depart from me you workers of lawlessness well you know only Jesus can call for a time of response like that how do you find yourself reacting to this passage I'm going to give you a moment perhaps to check in with yourself. You know, it's like, hey, how am I feeling about this? What sits right with me? What doesn't? Do I have questions about it? This is a big passage and we don't have time in a 20-minute sermon to deal with perhaps all the questions that you have. But if you do have questions after that, come to me after the service. I'll be very happy to talk to you about it. So, in my experience, um, people have all kinds of reactions to this passage. Some people feel that this passage, you know, is not for them because Jesus is talking to non-believers, you know, and uh, I said my sinner's prayer, I'm good. And some people get caught up with trying to figure out, you know, the part that says those who find it are few. It's like, ah, who are those few? And then, you know, you try to kind of have a metric, uh, you know, met with, with different metrics, you know, you try to put people into this group and then put people into that group. And then there are some who believe that they are the few who will make it while others are excluded 
you know, for various reasons. Maybe because, you know, it's like, wow, I'm so glad I'm not like that. You know, they are so legalistic. Uh, they are so charismatic. Uh, they are so... Are they not open-minded enough? They are too open-minded. You know, we have all kinds of ways, right? To put people into boxes or groups. And then there are some people who might question their faith after a passage like this. Or they may question the goodness of God. <laughs> I was telling the, uh, the first service, maybe some of you are sitting here and you were here last week listening to Pastor Wade. You might be thinking, wait a minute, is this the Jesus that Pastor Wade talked about last week? So Pastor Wade was talking about um, do not judge, right? And he said that, I'd rather be judged by God because God is full of compassion and God is full of grace and mercy. Do you remember that, those of you who are here? Does this seem like a different Jesus? And then there are people after, you know, reading this passage, they go, oh my gosh, I have to try harder. Maybe, you know, maybe I haven't tried hard enough. You know, I'm not good enough. Maybe I'm like hovering around, I don't know, 60 to 70%. And if I try harder to do the Father's will, meaning to do more of what Jesus taught in the Sermon on the Mount, then maybe I stand a better chance. I try harder to make it. So which is it? What is Jesus saying here in this passage? I mean, he's saying a lot of things, okay? But uh, we're going to focus on one today. We're going to find out what he's really on about by asking three questions. One, who is Jesus talking to? Two, what is Jesus getting at? And three, the question of most interest to most of you. What does it take to qualify? Who is Jesus talking to? Jesus is talking to his own people. The Jewish people. People who are known as Yahweh's people. People who, who carry his name. Now, here's a question for you. Who are God's people today? Us. Yes, I heard that. Christians, right? We have Christ, Christians, Christians. So this is also for us. Jesus is addressing people who claim to be his people, who call him Lord, Lord, Kuri, Kuri. You know, just this emphasis, this repetition for emphasis. Kuri, Kuri. And, 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 and just a way to, to suggest or to, to address in such a way that claims closeness and intimacy with Jesus. And Jesus says, On that day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and cast out demons in your name and do many mighty works in your name? And Jesus goes on to say, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. Sounds straightforward enough? But wait a second. Jesus, you, wait, you do that too, right? Jesus, you prophesy. You cast out demons, you work miracles, and didn't you call us to do the same? You said, just as the Father sends me, I'm sending you. Aren't we doing what you ask us to do? Plus, you know what? I'm doing it in your name. Am I not doing God's will? I see many puzzled looks all around the room. What is going on here? 
Now, he's not saying that those things are not important, the prophetic ministry, the deliverance ministry, the healing ministry, but what he's getting at is, what, what is it really like for God's people to live like God's people? The Sermon on the Mount shows us um, the vision for the kingdom of God, what the kingdom of God is like and how kingdom people live. Now, when, if you were not here um, in, our pre- in our previous sermons, um, Pastor Wade and I had mentioned that um, the kingdom of heaven is just another way of referring to the kingdom of God. It's the Jewish way of referring to the kingdom of God. Just so you don't get confused because reading from different places, different translations, different versions, you might come across um, either one. Are we, are we good there? Okay. So, how do kingdom people live? Jesus, okay, so Jesus came on the scene. Jesus came to bring the kingdom in. The question I have for all of you is, did he make it easier or harder? I think he made things more difficult. You know, many people, I mean, I, many people like to think of Jesus as, you know, really, really nice. You know, and he is very nice. He is very kind. But Jesus is more demanding than you think. He says, don't think I've come to abolish the laws and the prophets. And he says, unless your righteousness exceeds that of the scribes and Pharisees, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. You think it's enough to not murder, but even if you're just angry, you're liable to judgment. You think it's enough to not commit adultery? You've already committed adultery if you look lustfully at another person. You think it's enough to love your neighbors? But I tell you, you have to love your enemies too. You know, and it's great that you pray and you fast and you give a lot of money to the needy. But don't make a performance out of it. You know, to get people's attention, to get people's praises. Sure, you are doing these things in my name, but you are using my name to promote yourself. You are doing great things, great ministries in my name, for your name's sake. Calling me, Lord, Lord, does not change things. See, Jesus is demanding. He's looking not only at the outside, but he's also looking at the inside. Here, the heart. For I tell you that unless your righteousness surpasses that of the Pharisees and the teachers of the law, you will certainly not enter the kingdom of heaven. So here's a question for us. Can you think of anyone who can do all of those things in the Sermon on the Mount perfectly? No? Does no one qualify then? Is no one fit for the kingdom of God? Actually, there's one group of people who is fit for the kingdom of God. I'll give you a hint. It's at the beginning of the Sermon on the Mount where Jesus says, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of God. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of God. 
Another translation says, God blesses those who are poor and realize their need for Him. For the kingdom of heaven is theirs. Need for Him. Who realize their need for Him. See, those who are poor in spirit are desperate for God. They are aware of their own spiritual poverty. They know their heart conditions. People who are aware of how spiritually impoverished they are will mourn over their conditions. And they will be meek and merciful because they're less likely to judge. Because they don't have an elevated view of themselves. Because they know that they will never measure up to the demanding standards of Jesus. And when they are so desperate for God, they will treasure Him. They will not treasure other things like money more than God or other things. Do you see how they become kingdom people? In my, um, when I was doing my um, seminary training, um, my New Testament um, professor, he he was talking about this passage. He just said, Have mercy on me. Jesus is the key. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of God. Being poor in spirit is, is saying, this is what he said, you know, and, and I found that so freeing. That is saying, I can't do it. I can't be good enough. I can't be holy enough. I can't be... I can't forgive the way I want to. I can't love the way I want to. I can't not judge the way I want to. I'm a sinner. Have mercy on me, Jesus. So what does it take? It takes Jesus. Jesus is the narrow gate. And his way is the only way that leads to life. Kingdom life. The wide gate you know, where everyone is going, going with the flow, going with what is popular leads to destruction. The road leads to destruction. Jesus is not saying that he will destroy. That's why Jesus is jealous for you. He's jealous for you to call him Lord. Jealous for you to be his. Because there is no other way. There is no other way that leads to life. But you see, false prophets will tell you something else. Ah, maybe there are other ways. Maybe there are easier ways. Oh, come on. Lighten up. Jesus is not so strict, you know. But, and, you know, in today's world, it's so narrow-minded and arrogant and ignorant and intolerant, right? To say there's only one way. And false prophets will also tell you what you want to hear. Those, some of you might know that the Jerusalem temple was destroyed. Now, before it was destroyed, you know, um, you, have, you have prophets saying, hey, it's going to come down, it's going to come down, right? And Jesus is one of those prophets who says, it's going to come down. But many people, I mean, but many prophets, like, no, no, God is very happy with you. God is very happy with you. He's going to protect us. False prophets might also lead you to trust in other good things. Notice I say good things. Because when they are bad things, you know, we can recognize it and we are less likely to put so much trust in it. But good things 
you know, will lead you to trust in other good things more than the saving grace of Christ Jesus, more than your relationship with Jesus. And when we trust in other good things, we are less desperate for Jesus. I mean, when I had very little money, I think I was very desperate for Jesus. When I cannot do things to help myself get better, I was very desperate for Jesus. Church, there is only one way. And what is this one way? On our knees and crying out to Him. Have mercy on me, Jesus. I can't do it. And His righteousness becomes ours. A righteousness that surpasses that of the Pharisees and the teachers of the law. As Jesus hung on the cross, as He was mocked by those who put Him there, one of the two criminals next to him cried out in desperation, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus said, Truly, I say to you, today you will be with me in paradise. One scholar says, We are welcome not because we have perfect theology, not because we are living perfectly, although those things are important, but because God is perfectly merciful. And we have put our trust in Jesus, the Savior of the world. Jesus is calling you today. The way is narrow, but it's the only way that leads to life. The way is narrow, but the door is wide open to people who are aware of their deep need for Him. Who needs Jesus today? Thank you for those hands. I need Jesus. I am desperate for Him because I can't do it. You know, in the preparation of this sermon, I found myself on my knees and crying because when, when He brought me to that place on my knees and when I said, I can't, I can't be good enough, I just felt His grace and His love wash over me. And I found myself free from all the heavy lifting that I've been doing. I found myself falling in love with Him all over again. I love Jesus. He loves me. He loves you. He loves each of you. I ask again, who needs Jesus today? Jesus says, come, come to me. We gotta go take some time to reflect as the worship team plays for us. If you are like me, if you are like me, desperate for Jesus, I invite you, I invite you to say to him, Jesus, I need you. Very simple. I need you. I need you. Jesus, I pray that you speak to each heart today and meet each person in the places that they need to be met. I don't know what those places are. I don't know what the needs are. But you do. You know every person here, whether they know you or not. So Jesus, come.